Hello and welcome back to the Brockless podcast. As usual, I am joined with Nathan and we are here this week to spread positivity, festive joy and just talk about Middlesbrough being back. Nathan, you asked me in the last podcast for a prediction for this upcoming week that we're going to discuss in this episode and I said two wins. It's as simple as that, two wins. And I was right. We've got one hell of a podcast on our hands today, Nathan. Just what you want on Christmas Eve. Yeah, you do. Yeah, spreading Christmas cheer at Arborough this week. Two wins in two different competitions through to the semi-finals of the League Cup, which, I mean, you're the most fair-weather cup fan ever. So uh, <laughs> you're not really that bothered, I suppose. No. No, and no. then, uh, yeah, still in still in touching distance of the playoffs in the league with like thirteen players available. So yeah, we're we're flying. We're back on track. Three wins in a week. It's it's all well and good. And uh, yeah, we get a chill out this Christmas with our team flying high once again. Yeah, well, I mean, as I said, we've got plenty to talk about, so we might as well just jump straight in. Um, Port Vale on Tuesday night. I mean, we spoke in the last podcast saying that it would have to be a professional performance from Middlesbrough. And, you know, they have done well in previous rounds in, in similar scenarios where they are expected to win, but they've remained professional. They've done their jobs and they've progressed in the competition. And even though Port Vale, uh, I saw some uh, social media posts in the build-up to the game, a lot of Port Vale fans were saying, you know, it's one of the biggest games in the club's history. Let's let's really shock the world. Let's cause an upset. And actually, Middlesbrough just remained completely professional and dispatched of them pretty easily in the end. Yeah, they did. Um, I was in attendance on Tuesday night and... You sort of go in there thinking that that could happen, uh, knowing Borough as well, the whole typical Borough sort of way of thinking. Um, obviously, going there, playing lower league opposition and with a, a really big opportunity for us to go into the semi-finals of a, a major cup competition. And the boys just turned up and did a very professional job and pretty much won the game in the first half an hour, going two goals up. Um Packed out the away end at Port Vale despite a torrid trip down on the M62. Um, yeah, what a horrible road that is. And um, yeah, 3,000 Dodborough fans down there. Johnny Housen. I, I don't know what it is, but whenever he scores, it just gives me a warm feeling inside. I just love him so much. Um, and seeing him wheel away, celebrating that goal, albeit a, a bit deflected. Um but look, it set us on our way and it was a, a very comfortable evening. 2 0 up at half time. Rogers with a, a great finish. Um, top goal scorer in the cup competition. Um yeah, he, he is really the the ballon d'or contender for the Carabao Cup, isn't he? Um but look, yeah, we we pretty much won the won the game in the first half, really. Um, Connor Ripley in the second enjoyed a, a little bit of stick in front of the Borough fans 
uh, for his pre-match chat. But yeah, a, a very, very comfortable evening for Borough, which was pretty much signed, sealed and delivered into the next round by the first half performance. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was quite ironic when full-time went and obviously Middlesbrough added another goal in the second half, the big Christmas tree, uh, getting on the score sheet, a clever finish actually. Um potentially pick of the goals, um, even though Morgan Rogers' finish was very aesthetically pleasing, the fact that Ripley just sort of watched it go by. Um, but in all seriousness, it was quite ironic that the fact the major talking points really after the game were sort of not actually the performance and more so the mounting injury crisis. I mean, I, I think at full time, before we'd heard from Michael Carrick, there was a list of 14 players going into this weekend's game that were either definitely out of the game or a major doubt. Obviously, in the end, some of those players quickly recovered and, you know, we didn't have to put the tea lady up front yesterday. But, I mean, it was quite something when Jones, who'd had a tight hamstring, uh, come on for 20 minutes and had to go back off. Vandenberg of of course, missed the game with a slight knock on his back. Um, Lati Lav also felt his hamstring. Crooks, I think it was either his quad or his hamstring as well that he clutched in the second half and looked like he was, well, he did go off. And then I'm probably missing someone. But of course, Morgan Rogers got absolutely flattered and hobbled off the pitch. And despite... Middlesbrough fans being in fa uh, fine voice, some excellent new chants, which I'm sure you may have heard yesterday at the match if you were in attendance. Nathan, you can talk about some of them if you wish. Um, yeah, everyone was sort of thinking, well, great, we're through to the semi-finals, but we might not have a team to field for the semi-finals. Yeah, it's... Uh... It was a funny old evening. Obviously, uh, you're very sort of pleased that we got through the game, but seeing nearly half the squad hobble off the pitch as it's going on, you you saw a fear in the worst. Um, I think a few were probably just taken off as precautions. Um, Jones and, and and Crooks probably those two because they start. Uh, Jones started yesterday and obviously Crooks was fit enough to make the bench yesterday and then came on. Um, so those two probably just precautions probably felt a little bit of a a niggle and and thought better of it to just come off. Um, and Rogers as well. I think that was just more of a contact injury. I think a lad just flew into him. Um, and it was probably just best to. To, to rest him anyway at 3-0 and, and the game was already won. So, yeah, uh, a strange evening in a sense of you're very happy that we won the game, but sort of coming out the ground and thinking about the injuries that were that were mounting up, you're thinking, well, what's our predicted 11 going to be for the weekend? Obviously, Cal Cav came on off the bench uh, on Tuesday night and you thought, well, He's currently our only fit striker, so it could have been him in the side. Uh, obviously, Dieng didn't make the squad for Tuesday, which he probably wouldn't have anyway because it's a cup game. But yeah, you 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 were sort of fearing the worst on on that front as well with Glover, and then the possibility of Glover having a go 
to play for Australia in the Asia Cup, which we'll get on to. But yeah, pleased that we got through the game mainly uh got away without being uh part of a, a cup upset story and walking out the ground at full time you're looking at the teams that are sort of going on into the next round as well and you see in Newcastle one nil up away at Stamford Bridge and you're thinking yeah it's nailed on written in the stars that we're getting them I rang you didn't I and, and we sort of were yeah. happy that we'd been through but both a little bit at the same time like well it's nailed on that we're getting them over two legs and then as we're all uh as I put the phone down to you the crowd walking back to the uh the buses just erupted Mudrick has scored and uh Newcastle go to penalties me and you back on the phone screaming down the phone and uh yeah, it made for an even better night watching the uh, the penalties of that game on the bus, on the way home, and uh, seeing them just throw it away and having another year without a trophy. Well, yeah, I mean, someone in the North East got to try and win some competitions because, I mean, no one else is seemingly able to. So, yeah, even if it's not a derby in the eyes of some of these uh, sets of support as well, we're representing... Uh, that part of the country when uh, we eventually go on and win the competition, Nathan. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I think one major bonus, as well as the fact that we progressed, was the fact that we didn't have to put ourselves through penalties. Um, you know, we left Newcastle to give us a, a good old laugh on the evening. And I should say that I did celebrate when Kieran Trippier missed his. And... <laughs> Whether I'm a fair weather cup fan or not, I'm just going to come out and say it. I did. I celebrated it like a goal, and you can send whatever abuse you may want to uh, towards me. I'll happily take it on the chin. But yeah, um, I think I rang you just as missed. Actually, probably should have waited until they'd definitely been dumped out. But yeah, I, I couldn't really continue. Even to be honest, because I wasn't even sure if you were watching it on the bus or not. Um, but yeah, uh, a very good night's work for Middlesbrough and obviously seeing the other results. And then the following night, of course, we got the draw. And lo and behold, after Liverpool progressed, um, thrashing West Ham, Fulham had beaten Everton on penalties, which was somewhat of a shock, I guess. I mean, it was always going to happen. Liverpool and Chelsea managed to avoid each other. I don't know how that happened. Um but yeah, it did mean that, of course, we will now play Chelsea over two legs. We will play the first leg at home, Nathan. There's been a little bit of a debate that I've seen, and I'm not quite sure which side of the fence I sit on with it, as to whether that's a good or a bad thing. I think there's definitely arguments for both. But just a quick reaction. Obviously, we'll go more in depth on what Chelsea are going to offer across two legs closer to the the semi-finals, but just a, a quick reaction to the draw and your thoughts on the fact that we will play them at the Riverside first rather than having a return leg at home. In terms of playing at home first, um, I think that if this was the playoffs and it was two evenly matched sides where I think that we actually had a chance, I'd probably pay more attention to it. But seeing as though that I think that we'll probably get beat over both legs anyway, I, I couldn't really care less, if I'm honest. I think that we're in a, a situation where it, it is very much 
win-win, really. Um, if we get knocked out, we're expected to. And if we win, we're in a major cup, uh, major cup final. So, yeah, it's it's one for me where I don't really care. I think that we're, uh, we've done really well to get where we are. In previous years, we'd probably been knocked out by Huddersfield in the first round, especially after going down there in the first five minutes. Um, but look, we're we're in the in a semi final, so bring it on. Yeah, yeah. I I think just from my perspective, I actually think that look, I I'll address the elephant in the room. I've been fair weather and admitted to being a Fairweather Cup fan throughout this season. So I'm not going to sort of turn my back on that now. But of course, when you reach the semi-finals, things do change a little bit. Uh, in regards to obviously being at home first, I think the positive from me is the fact that you know that the Riverside will be full and people will be going with plenty of optimism. And even though, as you say, the odds are stacked against us, we're expected to be beaten it would be an embarrassment, really, if Chelsea do exit the competition because of us. Let's let's not sort of sugarcoat it. it. It completely would be a massive failure on their part. And I think a packed-out Riverside, if you can even go to Stamford Bridge with something to sort of hold on to, I know that's still a huge ask, but at least you have the optimism of going to the Riverside for the first leg and not being 3-0 down after the first leg. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it takes away everything and all of the sort of... We've had some good nights at the Riverside in, in various cup competitions over the years. Obviously, Spurs stands out um, a few years back now. But listen, who knows? Obviously, Chelsea probably won't really want to come up here on a cold midweek and... <laughs> there's obviously going to be a, a really good atmosphere in the Riverside. So, yeah, as I say, who knows? We'll obviously speak more in depth about it in future podcasts closer at the time. But, um, yeah, obviously an interesting draw and something to be excited about. Sorry, sorry, Chris, let me just put in as well. Um, sort of just interestingly, when I was looking at Chelsea's fixtures in and around when they play us, yeah. So the player Preston in the FA Cup on the uh, on the sixth of Jan, and then come away to us on the the ninth, and then they've got Fulham at home on the thirteenth, and then we play them on the twenty third. They don't have a game from the thirteenth of January till the twenty third of January, so they've got a ten day break before playing us. Because the Premier League have decided that they're going to shot a two-week break in for all the Premier League sides. Whereas, in that same gap, from the 13th of, of Jan, we have got Millwall away on the 13th, then Rotherham at home on the 20th, and then we've got to travel to Chelsea midweek. So, just to either, even stack the odds further against us, we've got to play another full 90 minutes with a completely depleted squad in that in that time. So, look, the odds are firmly stacked against us. Yeah. And not only have they given Chelsea the uh, away leg, uh, sorry, the, their home leg uh, in the second leg of the comp competition, um, 
they've even shot Middlesbrough a game three days before. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's just one of them things. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that they get yeah. a, a you know big, what a big gap. I pay that much attention at the Premier League these days that I wasn't even fully aware that there was a break in games. I really didn't. I've just been looking at our squad, hoping that people recover and think how we would play with this player back or this player back and looking at the fixtures for the past, like, I'd say three weeks. It's probably been about three months uh, now. Um, on the topic of the squad, people coming back from injuries, people that may not be available in the future, it's a consistent topic on the podcast, isn't it? But we heard from Michael Carrick after the Port Vale game in his pre-match press conference for West Brom. And we're given the positive news that obviously Riley McGree and Josh Coburn are or were going to be back involved, at least with the squad. Obviously, two major bonuses. But then, of course, like everything at the moment, there was a negative to chucking alongside that. Hayden Hackney, who we thought would probably be back for this game, is now actually in the further two weeks away, I think it was. So... Yeah, I mean, just the way things go at the moment, there was always going to have to be some sort of negative, despite there being some positives. And then, of course, not even injury-related, we then found out on Thursday or Friday night, I'm sort of losing... It's getting to that stage of the year where you lose track of the days, to be honest. But uh, one of the last two nights of the week, uh, going into the weekend's game, we, of course, found out as well that Sammy Silvera and Riley McGree are both in Australia's Asia Cup squad. They interestingly assemble on the 1st of Jan. And listen, I, I can't pretend that I'm fully aware of Australia's sort of expectations in this cup. But if they do go far in the competition there is a possibility that they could, the pair of them, miss up to nine games. And at this stage of the season, especially given Riley McGree has only just come back from a three-month injury layoff, is a real kick in the you-know-wares. And, yeah, I mean, when you've got an injury list like we do at the moment, it's just another problem after another problem. I guess the silver lining from that was the fact that Tom Glover wasn't called up to the squad and that means that when Seni Dieng inevitably does get called up for the Africa Cup of Nations we are going to be left with a goalkeeper who has shown in the cup this season he's you know more than capable of deputising yeah um one step forward two steps back um like McGree you hear, oh, yeah, Riley McGree's back, yeah, for three games, and then he's possibly gone for nine. It's just, like, absolutely outrageous. Um, Silvera just starting to sort of find his way in the squad. Yeah, he's going as well. Um, Hayden Hackney, oh, yeah, he'll be back before Christmas. Oh, wait, have another two weeks off because he's just had a setback in his in his recovery. It's just an absolute nightmare, isn't it? But we've been plodding away still uh, and still just continue to try and pick up results. Everything 
has been stacked against us recently and we've still been plodding away and we still find ourselves in and around the pack uh, in the championship playoff race. So, yeah, we're just, we're just fighting tooth and nail to, to cling on to the pack, get to January. We're only a week away now. Um, and yeah, hopefully once we get to January, we can add a few recruits early and uh, sort of negate the constant loss of players um, that has been just going on for, for months now. It makes it all the funnier, really, because yesterday's performance did not look like a team that were absolutely injury-ravaged and had been limping towards being able to make some additions to the squad because I think you could really make a case when factoring in opposition and factoring in how many chances we had in the game that yesterday's win against West Brom could have been our best performance of the season. Well, it's certainly been our best performance since the turn of the last international break. Um when these injuries have started to creep in a little bit further. Um, yeah, we were fantastic yesterday against a side that last week, as we were going through the league table and sort of categorising teams, we said that they were probably in a category of their own in the sort of third best category um, that would set them fifth in the fifth in the table and just ahead of this chasing pack. They're firmly in it after yesterday. They were nothing special or anything to be feared at all, uh, based on what I saw yesterday. Um, we spoke about Corbran's sides being defensively good. They weren't. They weren't anything good yesterday. It, it should have been three or four, really. Do you know um, what? Quite interestingly, and I know we had this discussion last week, I actually thought it was more down to us being excellent yesterday as opposed to West Brom being poor. I think we made them look average, whereas I've watched teams beat us over the last few weeks and think, well, yeah, they've been average, but we've just made them not really have to do much. Whereas yesterday, I thought it was a little bit of a different one, actually. Yeah, I think I think that we played really well, um, but I was certainly expecting them to offer more, like I have done with, with most uh, of the sides that we've played in the last few weeks and been beaten by as well. Um, but yeah, look, we should be 1-0 up in the first two minutes, really. Jones gets put through and places a shot at the goalkeeper who makes a save. Then again, he gets put through once again. Kipri should be sent off. The referee's had an absolute nightmare. Um, he should be sent off. He's last man. Jones is going through on goal. It's... A definite sending off, and the referees absolutely bottled it. He took it. He took an age to make a decision as well, when really, uh, it it should just be clear as day. Um, and I think that that probably would have made them sit in the shape even more than they did because it was firmly eleven men behind the ball for them for most of the game. Um, however. After that red card and the slight injustice of it, they go up our end and nearly score the opener in the game, but Glover makes a fantastic save from a header. Um, I think if they go 1-0 up, it probably makes it a lot tougher for us, um, 
especially because, as mentioned, they decided to sit with 11 men behind the ball for most of the game. Got constantly broken broken down mind by us, um, playing some neat stuff in between the lines. And I thought someone who was very key to that yesterday was Barlasa. He hasn't played well since coming into the side, really. Um, but yesterday, he was top-notch, um, playing incisive passes through the lines. And I understand that people will say, well, he tries to do that every week and sometimes it just doesn't come off. But his overall play in terms of one of my concerns and, and sort of frustrations of the last few weeks has been him just not even necessarily playing in midfield, but just sort of picking it up in between the centre-halves and playing where it's easy under no pressure, whereas yesterday he was picking it up where there was bodies in and around him, but he was quick enough to be able to get it and move it on very quickly um, with incisive passes down the side. And the goal comes from him playing that ball down the side for Engel. And it was fantastic to see Engel bomb on down that side on one touch, play the ball across a cutback, a Ryan Giles-esque cutback, may I add. And uh, Rogers is there to finish it. And it's a good finish as well in the near near corner against his old side um so yeah really pleasing to go into the break one nil up i thought that the first goal in the game would be big um because we'd have probably had to throw a couple more bodies forward to try and get a leveler whereas in the second half it was it was relatively easy to just continue in in the same vein that we did in the first half, probably with a little bit more ease actually, as they sort of stepped up a little bit further and you could get in behind them a lot more. But yeah, we just created chance after chance in the second half. Yeah, we did, and as you say, the first goal was always going to be important, and. You know, as you say, just a special mention before we, we talk about the goal and obviously some of the, well, countless chances we had in the second half. It definitely felt like that. A special mention to Tom Lover, actually, because especially from where we sit in the stadium, if you don't know where that is, pretty much lower west, really. And for all the life of me, as the ball comes back in, and we should add, he'd actually sort of flapped it across really just beforehand it come back off the post and at that point you think oh god yeah well, where's Senny Dieng can we, uh, can we have him back now please uh, and then the cross comes back into the box and I can't remember if it was Kipri or Bartley I think it's Bartley who rises the highest in this situation and it, it, it's a goal you're just expecting it to hit the back of the net and Glover produces an absolutely sensational save so I just felt that deserved its own mention because it obviously it keeps us in the game. But having not really played consistently, which I imagine for a goalkeeper is fairly difficult, he's actually, OK, yes, he didn't really have anything to do against Port Vale, but I thought he, he looked really confident yesterday. Yes, probably not as relaxed and uh, useful on the ball as Senny Dieng, but still when he could, tried to play out, when he felt, you know, under pressure a little bit, probably was a little bit more no-nonsense and would just clip it, which I'm not necessarily against. Um, 
but yeah, special mention to him. And of course, special mentions again for the man that you've just said, Dan Borlasa. I think by far and away his best performance in a Middlesbrough shirt yesterday did everything that the Rotherham fans told us that he was capable of and we haven't really seen it. We've seen flashes, but very inconsistent ones at that and sort of limited times from him in terms of getting forward and making those passes in the right areas. Like I said, in I think it was last week's podcast or the week before, you can obviously see that he does have the eye for a pass, but it's no good having the eye for a pass and even being able to execute those passes if you're deploying yourself in between two centre-backs. So that was the real positive for me yesterday, as you said, that he was able to influence the game from higher up the pitch. And then, of course, the goal scorer as well, Morgan Rogers, who I think now is, is making a real case to be a starter week in, week out. The Carabao Cup has, has served him so well this year in terms of being able to showcase exactly what he is capable of and what he's about. And I think now, or at least yesterday and over the past few games, of course, he had a an impact in the Swansea game, albeit he sort of just touched the ball in Silvera, put it in the back of the net. Um, but then after, of course, scoring midweek against Port Vale, he then backed up his performances with a goal yesterday and a, a, a real standout performance again from him. Someone that we've probably lacked a little bit at times this season. I know, obviously, Matt Crooks is a very different player, but a lot of the criticism that he sometimes gets is the fact that he slows things down. Morgan Rogers is quite the opposite. He's a really willing runner. He is probably standout attribute for me is how he carries the ball. He can get you up the pitch 10, 20, 30 yards at a time sometimes and just walls past people with ease. And yeah, it's interesting because at the start of the season, there was little flashes that you see from Morgan Rogers whilst playing as a number nine, which just seems crazy now. And you thought there's definitely a player there, but I think we're finally starting to see that on a more consistent basis now. And I don't think even, you know, with the likes of Riley McGray, Sam Greenwood, Isaiah Jones, all available in Middlesbrough at the moment, I think Rogers, on current form, would, would probably get at least one of those positions behind the striker, the way things are going at the moment. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Um, a goal, I think I think he got an assist as well on... on um, oh, he did, on Tuesday night for Crooks. Um, so, goal and assist on Tuesday night. Goal yesterday. Should have had an assist yesterday for Greenwood's uh, effort that he blazed over the bar. But and, yeah. Jones. and Jones, did he play that ball down the side for him? Yeah, when Jones wasn't really sure if he should try and cut it across or have a shot. And in the end, he sort of done a mixture of both. Yeah, and then also there was another one. Uh, Jones played sort of a, a very incisive pass into the box and Rogers sort of... I, I didn't even know if he got a touch on it, actually. Yeah, Palmer flicked it on the post. He did get a touch on it, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, he, he could have had a, few, a couple of goal contributions to his uh, overall one for the season yesterday. But yeah, again, yesterday, top class, um, gets the goal and wins us the game. And he got gets serenaded with his, his Christmas chant, uh, does Morgan Rogers. 
So yeah, very pleased for him. Um, I, I sort of feel a bit of an affiliation with him selfishly because of my uh, my Lincoln connection and sort of knowing him from from playing there all those years ago. So wanting to wanting him to do well, especially at us. Um, and yeah, it looks like he's uh sort of been enthused with confidence in the last few games, particularly because of his, his run out in the cup. So yeah, credit to him for uh, sort of learning the way that we play, learning where he needs to be and what he needs to do to fit into this side. And now he's, uh, he's contributing goals and assists, which is, it's massive for us. Um, in the absence of McGree over the last couple of months, Jones in, in the last couple of weeks, and yeah, in the absence of proper centre forwards, who yesterday look, we had Sammy Silvera deputising as a centre forward, a number nine for us yesterday, and in the second half of the cup game as well. So, do you want to know what? Shout out to him because he ran his socks off yesterday, uh, just trying to press as hard as he could, and it it must be strange for him, um, being a winger playing up front, uh, not having. The, the physical attributes of a, a Josh Corburn to deal with Bart, Bartley and uh, Kipra, two big, massive sausages at the back who just had the ball. So, yeah, a, a strange one from yesterday. But, yeah, shout out to Sammy Silvera because I thought he did a pretty good job of uh, just harrying things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was an interesting forward line yesterday because I think... At different parts of the game, probably Rogers, Greenwood, Silvera, and Jones at one time or another all sort of led the line for a few minutes. It was very interchangeable and it was actually quite enjoyable to watch some of the quick passing and movement in and around the box, obviously having players like those. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a different forward line and sort of almost patched together, but it actually worked relatively well and it'll be interesting to see if Michael Carrick sort of sticks with that forward line, given that Josh Corburn's available to him again, or if he goes for Matt Crooks up top, potentially we've obviously seen that in the past. Um, but yeah, just in general, uh, a very good performance, lots and lots and lots of chances. I think 1-0 absolutely flattered West Brom. And in fairness to Corburn, whatever you make of him and his antics on the touchline, in his post-match press uh, conference, said yesterday that Middlesbrough were deserved winners. Couldn't give more credit to Michael Carrick and the way that we played. So, you know what, Carlos, you're all right, I suppose. He but is, he is, but he's a busy bastard, though, isn't he? Well, yeah, he is. But I mean, I, I think there's. It's one of them where if he's not your manager, you think, God, when you sit down in your technical area. But if he is your manager, I feel like you'd love it. So. Possibly, yeah. I think um, on the whole, in the nicest way possible, I can't get away with managers like him and uh, ones with the backroom staff jumping all over the place when they score goals and all sorts. And it all, st all stems from Nuno a few years ago yeah. with his at Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Un un unbearable. However, I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. I said that. Do you know what? It was actually quite funny. I turned to my dad and went, do you remember who that is? He went, I haven't got a clue. I was like, he played for us, you know. He's like, 
played, yeah, yeah, he played two, I mean, two or three games, done his ACL, and then was never to be seen again. Do you like, know what? I remember him. And do you know what? In his couple of games before the injury, he'd actually looked fairly solid. He did. I was going to say, do you want to know what? He, he looked like a, a pretty good player for us. And uh, yeah, maybe if we had uh, Damier at right back instead of Dean Whitehead in the playoff final, we'd have, uh, we we might have been all right down that right side. But no, Yeah, let's go that, We don't want to bring them through. <laughs> um, yes, so obviously festive fixtures, they come around fast, don't they? Um, there's been Boxing Day... F- Boxing Day football on. You see, this is what I mean. It's that time of day. It hasn't even been Christmas yet, and I already think it's Boxing Day. There's been Christmas Eve football today, which seems really strange. Obviously, we have Christmas Day to get out of the way, and then the important stuff starts again, and we get Boxing Day football in that really weird period where there's just football matches on it this time, that time, and every other time during the day. Um, Obviously, we'll be recording the podcast before the Coventry game, but before we obviously do play Coventry on New Year's Day, we have trips to both Rotherham and Huddersfield. Now, I don't want to sort of group both into the same category, but two close-ish away games, both Yorkshire clubs, both struggling, I think it would be fair to say, like I said last week, I'm not making any predictions or any rash sort of statements, but it definitely looks like a good opportunity for Middlesbrough to build on what was a very good week last week with potentially two, I don't want to say f- favourable away games. Is that okay? Or are you going to sort of do your dinger and say that I've cursed us now? Well, as you just ran through there, Chris, both close, close-ish both Yorkshire, both struggling, both grounds uh, that we got beat at last year with our best team in years. Yeah, um, very true, actually. Uh, both were struggling at the time last year and all clubs have been managed by Neil Warnock. So there you go. There's your uh, your boths and alls from us there. Um, but yeah, Rotherham, Boxing Day, the New York Stadium... They're bottom of the league. They're without Daniel Ayala, who's having his Christmas off for the hundredth year in a row. Yeah, it, I'm I'm under no illusion that it's going to be a tough game. Uh, again, they're a side that are a bit different to the you sort of average championship side. Very sort of physical and want to be up and at you a little bit. Um, okay, in the nicest way possible, they probably don't have as much quality as a lot of other championship sides, but they certainly make it difficult for teams when they go there. Leeds have been there and drew. Ipswich went there and drew. So... Yeah, look, they've played some top sides there and the top sides haven't left with all three points. So it's it's a strange ground because I've been there once, saw us win on the final day of the season under Pulis. Um, but like last year, got beat there last year. 
have been beat there in the past, got beaten in our promotion season as well there in the 93rd minute by Lee Frecklington, dear me. Uh, I thought we were falling apart. Um, we were, to be honest. It, yeah, I don't think we were anything about it. We were at that stage. Proper free fall. Um, but yeah, look, it'll be it'll be a really difficult game. Uh, I'm under no illusion that we're we're just going to turn up there and win. It's not going to happen. Um, but Dan Barlasser, Matt Crooks, Dale Fry, all turning up at their old club. Surely there's got to be some sort of favourable old player returns at old club type. Yeah, but we we say we are saying this, but Rotherham actually do have a, a couple of ex-Middlesbrough players as well, one of which Jordan Hugel, whatever your opinion of him is, he, he can be a, a bit of a battering ram in the championship and a bit awkward for defenders. Lee Peltier, don't know if he's fit, but sure. I mean, a bit of a cult hero, to be fair. Yeah. In the season he spent at the Riverside. And, well, I was about to say Ayala, but of course it's Christmas time, as you mentioned, so he's not available. Um, but yeah, actually, Rotherham, strangely enough, Rotherham sort of, just from my perspective, seems like it'll be a more difficult game than Huddersfield. And I know the league table doesn't suggest that at all. But from what I've seen on social media, a lot of Huddersfield fans are sort of piling the pressure on Darren Moore a little bit now and have kind of firmly made the minds up that it was a very, very stupid decision to get rid of Neil Warnock and replace him with Darren Moore. And they aren't on the greatest run of form at the moment. Again, it won't be a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination. It's an away game. We've slipped up there in the past, but it's also not a Neil Warnock Huddersfield side. So that gives me sort of a little bit more confidence than, you know, it probably should. Yeah, I'm hoping that Neil Warnock doesn't turn up at any championship club that we've got to play uh, <laughs> ahead of the second half of the season, particularly in April time, because yeah. it'll just give me horrible flashbacks. Um, but yeah, again, a difficult ground uh, to go to. Strangely enough, we've won there already this season. Um, although it was against 10 men for most of the game and Neil Warnock literally does not give a monkey's cuss about the the League Cup at all, as we saw in his time at Borough. So, yeah, we, we saw what they were about when they came to the Riverside and... For me, it was nothing special, but this is this is the thing with the championship. If you're off for one day, you can get beat by the sides down there uh, at the bottom of the division, and if you're on it, you can beat Leicester like we did. Um, so, yeah, it's a strange, strange old division. Two games where look, you'd hope that we can go to both grounds and bounce into the new year with a good few wins under our belt and two in a week again. But with thin on the ground, you're hoping that the fixture congestion doesn't catch us up. Um, but look, 
it'll be it'll be two two really interesting games. I like the uh the Christmas week between um Boxing Day and New Year. I'm quite gutted the way it's fallen this year that we're not at home on Boxing Day and that we're at home on New Year instead. I prefer it the other way around usually. But yeah, there we are. Rotherham and others field to come, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As I say, I don't want to sort of put the kiss of death on that. And I hope you're not going to ask me for two predictions again, because although I said, do you know what? I should have put that uh, after you'd asked me out, I should have put a little bit of money um, on, on two wins, because although probably we were expected to be Port Vale, I, I think, and even, I, I don't know if I've said this to you before kickoff yesterday, I was just under the mindset yesterday going into the ground that we were just definitely going to get beat and that's actually not like me at all like I, I kind of always have that little bit of delusion in the back of my head but I really just thought you'd get beat yesterday so that was even more of a pleasant surprise um but yes another thing what we should say is me and you both pretty much delivered our like Christmas wish everyone well all the best type of speech thing last week well I, I mean I don't know why we did that because this is probably going to go out tonight and I mean if you want to do them again then we can but um, yeah weird that we chose to do that when we had another podcast to record yeah I think that we were just on a different planet after finally winning a game after yeah. three, after three uh, defeats on the bounce uh, prior to Swansea and winning with an indirect free kick so yeah I suppose Now's a, a probably a little bit of a better time, but yeah, three wins in a week. Merry Christmas, everyone! Yeah, obviously, all our best wishes to anyone that watches and listens. We hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Um, we absolutely encourage everyone to drink and eat way too much because that's what Christmas is about. Enjoy it with your friends and family. Uh, I'm sure we both will, Nathan. And as I've mentioned earlier, we will be back before the new year, probably, to preview even more games because there's just so many coming up at once. But yes, we'll stop waffling now. I might go and get a beer and crack open a tube of Pringles or something because it's, you know, Christmas Eve, isn't it? Why not? And uh, yeah, unless there's anything else you want to add, Nate, I think that's us for this week. No, just, uh, yeah, hope everyone has a good Christmas and uh, hopefully in a week's time when we uh, reconvene, Borough have won two away games in Yorkshire and uh, are in the playoff places going into the new year. Yeah, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? It really would. Well, yes, we all hope Nathan's uh, statement comes true. That would be a wonderful gift going into the new year. Um. If this hasn't been a good enough gift for you, then I do apologise, but we are recording on Christmas Eve, so please give us a thumbs up and subscribe as a Christmas gift, and we would massively appreciate that. And of course, if you're listening on audio platforms, please do leave us a review and subscribe to our feed on whichever audio platform you use. And as always, thank you ever so much for watching and listening. And that has been your Christmas edition of the Baropolis podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.